I am a wayfarer on the waking way just like you. Years ago, in a time of despair, I was given cause to consider my small place in the whole of creation. The old questions that have perplexed us for ages were haunting me as well. Why are we here? Must there be a reason for our existence? How do we balm our sufferings, enlighten our minds, and awaken our hearts? Are there powers, energies, and realities just beyond our ability to comprehend them? Like a new day rising, a fervor to understand these things illuminated my inner east. The discoveries along the way have been manifold, malleable, and colorful. Like a kaleidoscope, the teachings and practices I have gathered continue to shift and bend, imprinting on the textures of daily life just as it is. My ministry arrives in the form of sharing this extremely personal, varied, sacred, ordinary way with you. Let us traverse this landscape together as siblings. I pray you will join me for a time. I am your brother Oren, and this is my witness to the wisdom cry of the Dawn Deacon. Good morning, my friends. It's Sunday. I'm just starting to see that beautiful deep orange that indicates the dawn will be here soon. I'd intended to come out for a walk and sit with the sun of course having a clear mind a thoughtless mind and just bearing witness is easier said than done it's been my experience that trying to induce those states is much more difficult and honestly less potent than when they happen naturally so instead I thought I would talk through some of these things with you and maybe giving them voice getting them out of my head and into the world somewhere will bring me to that place where I can just be a witness I have been having a thought are feeling for a while now. And when I try to express it, 
it almost seems negative on paper. You see, I keep a book on me almost at all times. I've talked about the book before. It's a book of names, a book of people that my heart has felt drawn to in a tender way. I call it a prayer book, and maybe it is, but mostly it's a way to remember those times when my heart ached at someone else's suffering, loss, or pain. On the other side of that book, I keep another notebook. And when I have a question or a thought that seems to be trying to work its way out, something that needs some clarity, I write that down too. And what I wrote down and what I've been trying to give voice to for quite some time is the value of commercialized spiritual practices. When I use the word commercialized, I am aware that that is possibly not even the right word. But it's the way I've been able to frame it so I can understand it. Many, many years ago, when I was in my early, early 20s, when I had a type of awakening experience, I recall wanting to shout it from the rooftops. I remember sharing what had happened with some of my close friends, not really knowing where to put it, not really knowing how to frame it. And so I started to read. I didn't have the resources to travel. So I read to travel. I was looking for common ground, a language, a framework to use. Even back then in the mid 90s, there was a movement that I'm not even sure if is still in play. But at that time, it was called the New Age Movement. I didn't think anything of it. I thought it was just another term, and to be quite honest, it was exciting. The idea that a new age was coming, that we could make things better, we could be better, and that the world could be healed. And I thought of it as a message of hope 
it wasn't too long after entering that world and exploring religion and the religious that I discovered that this term new age was being used in a derogatory manner to describe anything that was outside the structure of the particular religious group that I was looking into. I felt hurt by that because I had experienced nothing negative that fell under the New Age umbrella. I even remember going to a church in my hometown with several friends. We were exploring and wandering and learning as a result of my sharing that awakening experience with them. You know, the best laid plans, they say. Most people end right there because it's, it's meant to be in jest. We make plans and we take on a perspective and we try to live our lives by something we've discovered and then things fall apart. And that's happened to me several times over and again. Truly, it wasn't really until I discovered Buddhism, which was early on, that I found a language and a framework that felt comfortable to me, that felt like it aligned with the world and with what I'd been experiencing since that awakening moment. You understand, please, that it's 26 years after that experience that I'm talking to you today. I look back now with two and a half decades behind me on that young man and that day and everything that's occurred since then. And I think about all the varied attempts to frame it up, to put my finger on it, and how elusive that bubble in the level actually is. The moment I try to touch it or contain it, it shifts again. I've tried to adopt the robes of many things just to see what would happen to be fully immersed or embraced in and by something framed. Unfortunately, and maybe it's just me, but I doubt it. I have a propensity to rebel stay a bit wild 
when it comes to those things. And yet, I still find great value in the teachings that have come out of many structured things. Over the years, I've found this has given me a, a gift, a great gift, to be able to speak and speak the language of a group or a religion or a practice and appreciate it. Kind of like speaking many languages. I won't say that that means that everyone's trying to teach the same thing. I don't believe that at all. But I do find common ground and I much prefer that space to rigid walls. The flexibility it provides. But before I get too far off the path of what started this in the first place, I want to talk about what I mean by commercialized spirituality. On one hand, in the early days, that commercialized spirituality was highly valuable. It showed up in the forms of books for me. Books and books and books. I could take any path I wanted. I could put anything I read to the test. But even, even at that time, there was this type of certainty that came with each teacher. A type of infallibility. Often messages that said, this is what is going on. And this is what you must do. Very, very few times after putting something to the test have I found it to be true. And as I stand here, feet walking on the path this morning, what I have found to be true is that the original hunch is correct. Life is filled with suffering. There's pain and loss and death all around us. There's hopelessness and despair. I don't need to tell you this. For the insulated, it's quite possible that I do need to tell them. You know, I'm insulated to some degree. Other ways, not so much. And even that observation about my own life makes me realize it's just to varying degrees depending on circumstance. But how does commercialized spirituality address this? I share books and authors and have conversations with people who have found a way 
that they want to share. And in each of those conversations, I find value and a perspective, a truth, a piece, a particular prescription that works for them. And anyone who has found a way that works, at least most, will attempt to share it with others when their heart is moved. Moved like the names in my book. When they find that their compassion and their love, their kindness, their sympathy and empathy move towards others who are in pain. I don't even know if the New Age movement exists. I haven't looked. In 25 years, I imagine it's become less a movement and more a part of the mainstream, mainstream spiritual culture. And now, it's not just books like it was for me. It's videos. It's podcasts like this one. Downloads and retreats. I always hope that those things are good for people, that they find something, a piece, even just one tool that they can utilize throughout their lives. I've feared as I've gotten older those things that look commercial or even even truthfully some of the rigid religions that I used to look upon with such reverence as sources of inspiration for resources to use back when I believed that the idea of the new age that was supposed to be coming on us arriving just as I was waking up I don't know, it It seems like a dream. And on some ways I can look and see where some things, some people have woken up. But then I look at our society, the culture, and I wonder if we have it all. Deep polarizations exist. Lots of anger and rage and frustration, rightfully so, at many injustices that were never addressed. And this is the point, I think, for me in bringing this up is what good is commercial spirituality? What good 
is religion or the teachings that you can actually put into practice if they aren't building that world that was dreamed about in the language of the New Age movement. Truthfully, I feel sadness when I talk about it. I feel sadness when I think about it. And maybe we are heading somewhere. If we, somewhere good, maybe all the frustration and pain and rage, the outcry, the vocalization of atrocities, maybe they have to have to be shown. Maybe we have to do that uh, to get it out of our system. And maybe that's what we're living in. I don't know. And then when I sit and take the long view, I wonder if it hasn't always just been this way. And maybe this is just the way it's going to be. As long as human beings are here and trying to wake up. I don't think we can unsee what we've seen. And so what do I do with that? What do we do when it's two and a half decades in and we've practiced and we've tried different things and we see some of the institutions that we leaned on and looked to shoring up the fences and becoming rigid and unkind as well. What do we do when those entities, be them, be they religious, governmental, or even commercial, as it relates to spirituality, what do we do when they're not addressing the ordinary sufferings and pains that so, so many carry? How do we make that good? I simply can't live in a delusion. It's like walking through an unkept meadow or forest. And you just have to know where the edible plants are, what they are, what they look like, what's going to hurt you, what's going to benefit you. But looking out into it, it just looks like green. One red berry is medicine and the other is poison. What's the test? A good tip that I've used is to further illustrate that metaphor is if something, you're unsure about something, rub it on tender skin, 
on your body or just touch it to your lips and wait see if you have a reaction to it I would say that's good advice when interacting with commercialized spiritual ideas of which there are so many or even ancient and well-formed traditions. To segue for a moment, I'd like to tell you about something that happened this week. It's heartbreaking, honestly. But I've had several thoughts about it that I think are relevant to the ultimate point of how spiritual practices can play out in the world and how what we say matters so much. At my youngest son's school, two children, very young children, snuck through the school fence and went missing for a short period of time. Of course, the faculty at the school did what they should have done and they put the school on lockdown and involved the authorities. One, to get an account of all the students while law enforcement and neighbors searched the surrounding area for the young children who had went amiss. We didn't discover it till later what was actually going on, but in this age of gun violence, violence in general, to see your child's school on lockdown is triggering. You don't know what's going on fully. And then you think of your child in their perspective, what's going through their mind. What are they thinking? How can you help them? I can't, can't help my child in a situation like that. It's a parent's first instinct to want to rush to their aid should be our instinct to rush to aid to anyone who is in despair or experiencing fear but especially your children luckily the children were found and it was learned that one of the children had learned of potential abuse that the other child was possibly experiencing at home. And this child moved to offer aid, came up with a plan to help the other one escape the situation, which led to them 
plotting to leave the school grounds. It's a child's plan. My son got home from school and he seemed older to me immediately. So we went into his room and we sat and talked about the day. I wanted to hear things from his perspective, his thoughts. I asked him if he was worried. He said yes when they did lock down. None of us knew what was happening. And I immediately thought that there was a shooter in the school. If I could just stop for a moment and tell you how terrible that is. If you're listening to this, if you follow these reflections, then I imagine you likely feel the same way. Our children have received training to prepare for shooters in their school. And it's a normal part of their lives. This shows some type of clear degradation in our society. Something that honestly I could see began sometime around my moment of awakening in the mid-90s. And yet I believed at that time that we'd be moved past this. Love would save the day and we would wake up. One awakening isolated into itself doesn't change anything. Especially if it's saved and kept close. And I asked him what happened next. And he told me that some children started to cry, that some children were quiet, but he could tell that many were very, very scared. And he said he was feeling scared because of their reactions. And he realized that his thoughts were making him feel a certain way. And so he went to another friend who was feeling scared and he said, let's play paper, rock, scissors quietly. And they did. And I asked him why he chose to do that. And he said, I didn't want my brain to control the way I felt. And so 
I thought that would be a good way for us to calm ourselves down and take our minds off of what was happening. Is that not a spiritual action that addresses the world as it is? A wise sage could have came and handed my son the most holy works that mankind ever generated, the most beautiful prose and poetry, the most profound teachings. And in that moment, in that classroom, when life was filled with fear, hopelessness, and a type of chaos, those teachings may have done nothing. Passionate words could have rang empty. And in that moment, paper, rock, scissors was more holy to him than anything any human being had ever written because it served to quell the disease of the mind, to bring peace. I asked him if he had thoughts that he might not see his mom and dad again, that something terrible would happen. And he said he had started to think those things, but he realized that might not be true because he didn't know what was really going on. And it was best to quieten his thoughts. How powerful is that? I can tell you how many times I have <laughs> read similar words and heard long drawn out lectures about this very thing the use of mantra and meditation and prayer and physical action people pay a lot of money to be taught those very things but to apply them in the world in the moment it's so hard to do. I didn't have that ability when I was my son's age. I didn't have any thing in my life that told me that was something to do. And this, I think, was a big eye-opener for me. My son didn't recite his favorite prayer or cling to some tradition that I'd placed upon him some way of particularness no he hadn't had a thought of what to do just a simple peaceful moment.
And then I think about the conversations we have, the ordinary ones, the plain ones, at the kitchen table, in the days of our lives, in the decade that he's been on earth, when hard times have come, we have shown him through action and words a way to be not tied to some particular faith necessarily but a way and I want to believe that that has imprinted upon him and I think as he grows and possibly forms a family of his own and interacts with more human beings that he will form a way a way that is helpful to others in a time of need a way that senses when someone needs a tender moment a way that looks into basic and ordinary ways to help. Whether it's to help someone ease their mind, to soothe their heart and soul, to even show them just through living his life how to engage with the world in a non-combative way. Maybe this is the new age dream. Maybe this is the value of commercialized spirituality through books and recordings and retreats. Maybe this is all that the actual practices of wisdom and religious traditions can accomplish for us here on earth. This is what I want to focus on still, even in my own life every single day. This is all I want is to find a better way to continue to find a better way to interact with others it seems long and when I set a goal it makes it worse and it never works out <laughs> be goalless and to simply live with as gentle touch as possible even in the midst of hard things and anything that I encounter that teaches that is good if you're listening to this I suppose in some way you're listening to the result of that in my life 
why record and share at all just in the hope that's all just in the hope that there's something useful for someone a small thing when they have their moments or a variety of moments like the one I told you about my son at school. When those moments come, tragedy strikes, when we face sickness, old age, death, harm of any kind. When we face those things, what will we lean on to bring us comfort? And what will we be able to offer to others when they face the same things? There's a small portion of the Bhattachari Avatar that comes to mind so often, especially when I turn my head away from my aching brothers and sisters. May I be a helper for those without one. A guide for all travelers on the way. May I be a bridge, a boat, and a ship for all who wish to cross the water. The text itself is beautiful. The wish is positive. And it's a reminder for me that that's really all that matters in the moment when we see a pain or a suffer suffering person or creature or the suffering earth may I be a helper for those without one when we encounter someone in pain hurting lonely when we sense it May I be a guide for all travelers on the way, their way, the way of their life. Not the high idea of enlightenment or some type of full awakening. Just the way, the way we all travel into this world, birth, youth, old age, sickness and death. May I be a bridge boat and a ship for all who wish to cross the water. I love this metaphor. How many times have I walked through water to get someplace? And how many times have I given up or said it's impassable because the water was too deep? How many times have we felt this way? meet people who feel this way, hopeless, overwhelmed, their noses barely above the surface of the water, unable to catch a breath, to find a reprieve, may I be a bridge, a boat, and a ship for all who wish to cross the water.
may we all be able to do those things and find a spirituality that suits us perhaps made of many 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 things a tapestry a fabric that can be stitched and formed into many shapes folded up and tied for many uses to carry a load when we need help in our travels to cool a brow to wring water into our mouths when we're thirsty comfort us and hold us in an embrace when we're cold to sleep under shelter us from storms when the tempest rages about us human beings will always live in an age like that there will always be troubles as the Buddha said, something I do adhere to firmly and find great truth in, that life is filled with suffering. It's the disease of the world, but we have the ability to navigate it and quell it. sun is illuminating the clouds in the east purples and pinks I wish I had a better view of it I'll leave you now so I can sit with the dawn thank you for coming on this walk with me may all beings have happiness and the causes of happiness. May all be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. May we all rejoice in the well-being of others. And may we all live in peace, free from greed and hatred. Brother Oren Parker is the producer and host of the Dawn Deacon and the Find the Good News podcast. As a licensed ecumenical minister, he practices universal spiritual accompaniment, offering a brother's ear to fellow seekers. Oren provides baptism, blessing, and union ceremonies, as well as tailored rituals to memorialize special occasions or blessings to sanctify personal spaces. Brother Oren also officiates weddings and funerals. For information or to contact Oren, visit findthegood.news or email oren at orenparker.com.